0: Welcome to the Insurance Post Podcast. I'm Emran Hughes, editor of Insurance Post, and today I'm joined by Specialist Risk Group's Kaylee Bennyworth, the British Insurance Brokers Association's David Sparks, DAC Beechcroft's Matthew Rutter and the Chartered Insurance Institute's Matthew Connell to talk about what the insurance industry can expect from the regulator in 2024. Today on the Insurance Post Podcast, I'm joined by Kaylee Bennyworth, Group Head of Risk and Compliance at Specialist Risk Group. David Sparks, Regulation Director of the British Insurance Brokers Association, Matthew Rutter, Regulatory Partner at DAC Beechcroft, and Matthew Connell, Director of Policy and Public Affairs at the Chartered Insurance Institute. They're going to share their expertise on whether, with a general election looming on the horizon, we can expect crackdowns from the watchdog. Hi Kayleigh, David, Matthew and Matt, as I'll call you to avoid confusion during this podcast. Welcome to the Insurance Post podcast. Hi, So, David, what can the general insurance industry expect from regulators in 2024?
1: Well, I think the agenda is quite packed for the regulator, but certainly in the insurance space, the thing to look at um, and focus on is what's in the portfolio letters that the FCA sent out last year because they've set out basically what the areas they're going to focus on. And it it differs depending on whether you're looking at the the regional
2: market or the London market.
0: Um, Matt, would you agree? Is that what the CII is expecting this year?
2: Absolutely, yeah. I think a lot of the issues are issues that have been around for, for quite a long time. Um, access to insurance, renewal premiums, um, potential hollowing out of, of products. Um, but I think the cost of living crisis has put all those issues in, in much more stark relief than ever before.
0: you any s- surprises that you're expecting on the horizon from the regulator?
3: Uh, I don't think any surprises. I mean, the, the regulator does usually signal fairly well in advance issues it's got, it got concerns it may have. Um, I suppose we are in a a bit of limbo in terms of the consumer duty, in in the sense that firms have or hopefully have implemented it, but maybe wondering what exactly is going to be expected of them in practice, um, and also looking forward how their annual board review uh, should, what that should look like, the evidence they'll need to to pull together. So there's a bit of the difficulty with any broad brush rules such as the consumer duty is translating it into practice, there's a lot of scope for interpretation. So that's one area of uncertainty, I think.
0: Kayleigh, would you agree, are you expecting them to kind of be kicking the tyres of how well the consumer duties bedded in this year?
4: Yeah, absolutely. You know, the FCA are very um, focused on saying that it's not one and done. And I think that for any organisation means that you have to um, continually involve your interpretation on the data that you're getting out of your business so I think it's so important I think the other theme for this year is around IOPA's ruling about um, how the the local regulators should be implementing their IOPA's expectation that third country branches should primarily serve that market in which it's established and I think there's probably um a lot of work that we have to do where we do have those reverse branches in the in throughout the market to actually um move business UK business into those into those um branches and I think you know that that takes time and that's probably something that the that IOPA haven't quite considered. They're expecting that that's going to be a really short time scale and as we know from a from a UK perspective we need to ensure that our client, there's no harm to our clients. We need to make sure that we're compliant with client money rules. And, you know, those are things that we need to factor into those plans. So I think that's another lens that we need to look at from a regulatory perspective this year.
0: Kayleigh, well done. I mean, if anyone's playing regulatory bingo, you didn't quite mention Brexit, but we got very (laughs) close, didn't we? So close. Uh, Yes, we did. And obviously there's Solvency UK as well also coming this year, so continuing to have um, kind of an unpicking of um, rules post um, Brexit for the industry as well. David... I'm aware that has long campaign for greater scrutiny of whether the FCA and PRA are actually achieving their growth and objet- competitiveness objective. And Post recently reported on how so far there's been a lack of detail about what that monitoring will look like. Do you think greater kicking of the regulators' tyres can be achieved this year, especially with a general election going on and perhaps focus elsewhere?
3: Yes,
1: well, I think if you look at the Financial Services and Markets Act 2023, it put in there an obligation on the regulators to produce a report at the end of 12 months and at the end of 24 months on how they're performing against the international competitiveness objective. Um, Treasury has also produced a, a paper with details of what the FCA and the PRA will have to report on. And they are things like the number of authorisations they've got through, how long it's taken them to go through authorisations, things like that. So there will be that evidence going on. And I, I I think the Treasury Select Committee and Parliament in general has an obligation now to make sure that the regulators are doing that.
0: Mm. Obviously, the, there's a general election looming on the horizon. Kaylee, do you think providers and brokers should profess, prepare for some tough questions about how they're providing value for money for consumers this year?
4: I think regardless of the general election, this is going to be a key theme throughout the whole of this year. You know, I think you also have to look at this in the context of how product governance has been implemented throughout the market, and in particular the information exchange, I think there is um, a number of different methodologies and a number of different requirements from brokers and um, insurers. And and those things are making it difficult for for us as an industry to really show and demonstrate fair value. I think one of the things from a practical perspective that all brokers should be making sure that they're doing is really um, being able to evidence and demonstrate fair value and that's even even to the extent of a justification you need to kind of not make just statements you need to have those the, the calculations and the methodology to back that up and I think um, there has to be a way in which the market can work together collaboratively to try and refine our process and I just don't think we're quite there yet
0: and important um, as any good student of maths knows always show your workings because even if you've got the answer wrong (laughs) you may may get marks might you for um, you were on the right track Matthew um, what can brokers and providers be doing to ensure that they can demonstrate that adherence to the FCA's consumer duty requirements
3: Well I think um, particularly in the area of of fair value and as you said uh, um, it's about showing your workings it's about being able to demonstrate what you're doing and the MI you've collected and that it's relevant and appropriate MI um, and and that you've reached a reasonable conclusion. It's always a better position if the regulator thinks you've reached the wrong conclusion but at least you have done the workings it's a better position to be in than simply not to have done done the workings um, and to say simply to have Put your head in the sand and ignored an issue entirely. So, um, it, it is important to have evidence behind the decisions you're you're making. Um, I think in terms of the wider perception, I guess that's where the sort of industry bodies like Bieber and the ABI have a big role. I think in getting across the message. Um, I, mean, I was just reading in the papers at the weekend about uh, you know record. Uh, in motor insurance premiums for example but nowhere there was the message that in fact motor insurers are losing money on this product so I think both of those bits need to, to be there to I think to understand or in, in improve public understanding uh, around the value that there is there in, in insurance mm.
0: uh, Matt I mean talking about pricing mm. um, the um, post Um, had an exclusive interview with Matt Burris um, at the start of the year um, and he confirmed that he the FCA has concerns around premium finance Mm. Um, what what can the industry be doing to kind of better articulate you know what is being factored into the cost of insurance in 2024
2: Absolutely, yeah, and and, and I think um, Matthew made made a really good point there that that I th- and, and the FCA does understand it that a lot of these markets are extremely competitive um, and and in some ways maybe more competitive on price than the FCA is entirely comfortable with because they're worried about quality as uh, as as well, um, but but. The element of prices—it's always difficult because when you're when you're operating at a loss, um, any any element that you can to, to cross subsidise and to to make up for those losses, um, you, you know, you're not going to be punishing yourself to to, to, to produce absolutely uh, intellectually sustainable um, systems of, of, of doing things right across the piece so we've seen in renewal book premiums and with premium finance that perhaps there is a a, a cross subsidy between sort of older and, and younger in, in in the case of um, renewal premiums and and between um, people who pay pay up front and people who who, who pay um, uh, in, in monthly instalments in terms of the uh in terms of the, the the premium finance. And obviously there's there's strong arguments. Obviously, you know, you, you the present value of money, especially in a time of high inflation, mm-hmm. you can't just um ignore the fact that 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 allowing people to pay in monthly instalments is is it does have a, a cost in terms of uh inflation and present value of of, of money. Um but then where the FCA wants is, is to go even further and, and demonstrate an absolute link between, you know, well, how much is inflation um, uh, 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 an issue for, for, for insurers? How much is the credit risk when, when it's possible to withdraw cover um, quite quickly? It's not like a, a mortgage or a, a car loan where you've got to repossess something or anything like that. Um, and so I think I think there is a danger there, though, that, that – where the fca says on on each individual element everything has to be completely sustainable and you know kind of economic textbook um accurate in terms of what's being priced Uh, at some point along the road there are going to be cross subsidies um which which can't exist anymore and and so people will will be playing lower perhaps in some areas but but higher in others and i think it's important to really understand that in the round um and also um david wouldn't forgive me if i mentioned as well there's insurance premium tax in there which is a, a nice subsidy for uh for, for the government from the tax man to to collect as well so i think the fca understands it's a big big subject and there are lots of different elements that are that are going to come out in and, and start relief as, as soon as you start looking at, at, at one of them.
0: Mm. David, another big talking point in 2023, um, was and there was a Treasury Select Committee as well, at the start of the year again, um, was um, multiple occupancy buildings insurance. Do you think a crackdown on broker commission could be on the cards, or has the industry done enough to swerve that risk?
1: Yes, well, certainly one of the things that we've been working on is a framework for brokers to actually demonstrate fair value. In that, and I think one of the issues that we probably do had, or do have, I should say, is the that maybe brokers weren't so good at selling themselves to the regulator in what they do. And actually, what we were seeing is even prior to the FCA getting involved, brokers were calibrating their commission down for multi occupancy premises because of the uh, understanding of, of the nature of it. So I think the consumer duty was something that they were demonstrating even before it was actually due. But let, let's take the whole of the, the premium finance world in, in context of what's going on in a wider application. So you've got the uh, Consumer Credit Act, which is 50 years old now. Um, and the government has said they will be doing a major review of it. So you've got premium finance as part of that. Um, but if you look at the, the, the rules for insurance, now we need to actually give what the premium is without premium finance, what the premium is with premium finance, what the difference is, and actually a statement saying if you use premium finance, it's going to be more expensive than, than if you pay in, in total. Um, so we've got those things to worry about. But it's not just our sector. It's, it's important we understand the wider picture. So um, buy now, pay later has become something of an issue, um, mm-hmm. and it's moving into regulation. Um, there is the whole issue around financial inclusion, that we need to be thinking about in terms of premium finance, and actually, um, and it goes to, to uh, something Matt said, we, we've got to remember that in the insurance context, um, some customers are subsidising other customers, because that's how you get the money to pay claims.
0: Mm. Um, Kaylee, would you agree, it, I mean you talked a lot um, earlier about um, the importance of kind of um, demonstrating value to the regulator. But as, as Davis t- and Matt, uh, Matt's touched on there, it's also about demonstrating the value, making sure that, that the customer has a clear understanding of the value that they are being provided with.
4: Absolutely, and I think, you know, going back to the multi-occupancy rules, that has brought in some transparency about remuneration structures. And I think, you know, probably one of the things that we haven't thought about is actually just that knock-on to introducers. So, and actually, how will the leaseholders feel when they start to see the remuneration of those introducers of the business and I think that will have a knock on impact on the AR um, on ARs across the market and I think we don't we haven't quite had enough time to really see the outcome of that and I think that's probably where we'll get most challenge from from customers Mm. Um, and 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 then you know you always have your your calculation to kind of demonstrate that and justify that fair value and uh, you know there's no doubt there will be pressure but mm. i think um you know there's a lot of work to do to just kind of really harness that demonstration mm, so a lot coming from the regulator this year
0: um, i mean we could talk about regulation all day as i'm sure we all um, as everyone in their roles i know um, does um but to conclude um matt what steps should insurers be taking this year to make sure they're satisfying the regulators requirements
2: I think it is about showing you're working it's about showing that you are in control of of all aspects of the of the business um ai you know how you use ai what you know that the system's doing and and, and where you know it's 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 not performing as it as it should you've got a really tight grip on on, on that kind of governance um distribution chains we've 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 already talked about um it, it really is about being able to present that and i think Firms are going to see a lot more data requests from from regulators. That's going to be a real pinch point for for regulation. But unfortunately, I think that is that is inevitable until until insurers can tell a really good story right the way across the distribution chain.
0: Matthew, what we, what are you advising insurers do this year to stay on the right side of the regulator?
3: Um, I think we're really trying to advise them to try and look one step ahead. Um, I mean, as it happens, we've just launched 160 or so predictions about the insurance market, different sectors of the insurance market, quite a lot on regulation, as you might expect, and AI and cyber. Um, And more broadly, I'd encourage insurers and brokers to... Try to read the runes. Look at speeches from the FCA, uh, as David said. Read the portfolio letters. Try and see what the, you think is coming down the track. So you'll you'll be able to, you're a bit more on the front foot, being proactive and not hopefully reactive to things the regulator does.
0: David, last word to you. What what what's Bieber telling their members to do to please the regulator?
1: Well certainly I think it's that having that cooperation with the regulator is important and, and actually as, as Matthew said the, the consumer duty is a big part of that and as are the portfolio letters these are the areas we're going in and there is a difference between the wholesale market, the London market and the regional market mm-hmm. as well in terms of what the FCA c- expects of them but there's also some changes we haven't had yet so the senior managers and certification regime there's been a review, we haven't heard the outcome of that Uh, On the appointed representatives market, we haven't had the government's Mm. view on that review. So where are we with that? And that could all influence how firms operate in the coming year. So I think there's still a lot outstanding. We don't know um, to be able to think about what they should be doing. But certainly that cooperation, that certainly showing your workings, as you quite rightly say, is important to uh, make sure when you have that conversation with the regulator, you can show what you've done.
0: So show your workings and make sure you do your homework by reading what the regulator's um, putting out there. That brings us to the end of this episode of the Insurance Post podcast. I'd like to thank our two Matthews, Kaylee, and David, for joining us and sharing their insights on what to expect from the regulator in 2024. As always, also thanks to you for listening to the Insurance Post podcast. If you enjoy our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to Insurance Post and following us on Facebook, LinkedIn and X. Make sure you come back next week when we'll be talking about Valentine's Day and high net worth insurance. Until then, this is Emran Hughes signing off. The Insurance Post podcast is a product of InfoPro Digital.